0: man, good morning. Um, excited about this word. Um, I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a weirdo for occasions. So like uh, stuff that maybe doesn't mean anything to anybody else means stuff to me. Like uh, I like the, I don't like do the new year, new you thing. I don't necessarily prescribe to that, but I do I like the first Sunday and I like the last Sunday. And then for me, this is an occasion. And as we like kind of come this direction, uh, I was praying, God, what would you do? What would you say? And Anyway, he, um, I believe he's speaking to us this morning in Romans 12, so if you kind of head that direction, um, we're going to finish up this uh, series on spiritual formation this morning, and we've been talking the last few weeks about spiritual formation and just the idea that when we come to know Jesus, we're born again or we're these new creations, and, and we don't really know what to do with that. Um, I was saved when I was 11 years old, and I'll be honest, for the next 10 years, I had no idea what any of that meant for me. I just knew that when I left this place, I wasn't going to go to hell, and uh, I stayed like a spiritual baby for like 10 years, and something happened at 21. I started seeing people that just responded to God in a way that I didn't understand, and I had to deal with, struggle with, do I know Jesus? Because I don't feel like that, I don't look like that, I don't act like that, i don't I don't get what's going on there and And I struggled with that for about three years. I'll be honest. I struggled with God, do I even know you? I'll be honest with you. Some of us run from that, and I think that's dangerous. Some of us we don't want to hear anything that might challenge us the question, like, is it possible that maybe I don't um, And then that's dangerous, right? Because any person on the planet can say a prayer, right? Like, it doesn't doesn't take any special skill, especially if somebody hands you one of those little papers to read or somebody leads you through it. It takes no special skill to say a prayer. And, and really, there are people praying things all over the planet today. And I'll be honest, I don't know that God listens to either, every one of them. I don't even know that they're all directed towards him and I said a prayer when I was 11 years old, and nothing changed for like 10 years. I didn't even know there was an ability for anything to change for like 10 years. I went to church. I did the thing. I sang the songs. I went through the motions, and then I went to church camp, and i seen people. that were like crying during worship, and I was like, I don't get that. That's weird. I had seen it before, by the way. It's kind of outdated in a lot of churches, but I grew up in a church that sang all hymns, and Man, there were these people that were so excited about heaven, and I didn't, I didn't get that. It just didn't bother me because they were old, and I thought, that's what you did when you were old. <laughs> but I went to church camp, and I saw people my age. They were, like, crying and lifting their hands. and I could tell something was happening there, and I could tell nothing like that was happening in me. And uh, it bothered me. So for three years, everybody, you know, I'm faking it like we can all do, right? Raise my hand, nothing really meaningful going on there. I just know that's what you're supposed to do during the songs because other people are doing it. I'd get down on my knees and people would think I was worshiping and I was praying, God, if I'm not saved, save me. Three years of that, nobody knew it. I didn't tell anybody because it's weird, right? And three years later, at the same kind of moment, seeing this happen, uh, I was praying, God, if I'm not saved, save me. And he said to me, it's not that you don't know me. It's that you don't know anything about me. And that hit me because I didn't even know I was supposed to. Right? Just I, I go to church, man. It's somebody else's job to tell me all this stuff. They get 52 Sundays a year and about 45 minutes to do it. Imagine how that's going to work out. Everything there is to know about God. Load me up. You got 45 minutes. And then Waffle House. Right? And God says, it's not that you don't know me. It's that you don't know anything about me. And I've never heard God speak so clearly to me beyond this point. And he said, read my word. I knew immediately where it come from. And that he meant it. Because if I didn't, what was going to happen is I was going to A, spend the rest of my life here flip-flopping between do I know you or do I not. And then if I did, I was going to spend eternity with somebody that all I knew about them was they came, they died, they rose again, and they're coming back. And there's so much more to God than that. So I'll be honest, it took me two years to read the Bible through the first time. The reason why is called Leviticus. Right? Because we're rolling through Genesis. Exodus, we're like, I don't know why you had to tell me about the tabernacle four times, but whatever. And then you get to Leviticus. And you can only read about a bull and a dove so many times, right? And then it slowed me down, and and I quit reading. But I knew that's what God wanted for me. And and when you know what God wants for you, you have this decision you have to make. Do I care or do I not? Because you can't blame it on I don't know anymore. It took me two years to read it through the first time and, and I didn't understand any of it. Isn't that fun to say as I stand up here in front of you guys. Oh man, I need to go Google stuff and make sure he's telling me the truth. Maybe true. But I didn't understand any of it. But that's not really a requirement when we know what God has called us to do. He told me to read. He didn't tell me to understand it. He just told me to read the next year um god blessed me with the ability to not have a job and i mean that in that year i learned how to play guitar which is amazing um and i read the bible through twice in one year cuz i didn't have a job and everything to do so i would go sub at schools and tune out the kids cuz kids <laughs> and i would just read as long as they were quiet and not hurting each other i had the ability to do that and god blessed me with that And for a couple of years, it was my goal to read the Bible through once a year. And I'm not saying that like pat on the back, Brad. I'm 32 years old and I've not read it 32 times, so not doing great, right? But in that time, as God was kind of leading me through his word, he was showing me like there is something more to know about me. You can do more than know about me. You can know me. And he began to form in me something that I'm, I'm nowhere near perfect, so don't hear that. But is a lot different today than it was, I guess, what, 11, 12 years ago now. God's working in those that want to be worked in. I had somebody talking to me this morning and they were like, I've been praying for this, praying for this, praying for this. And God's doing these things in their life. And it's it's an amazing story to hear that because here is the truth. God is working in those that want God to work in them. And you're like, I want God to work in me. Well, are you working to allow God to work in you? Because there's a difference in, I wish God would do something amazing. And man, I just want to know this God. And for those that want God to work in them, I just want to say to you, God will work in you if that is what you want. That was for free. Um, Spiritual formation is that process. The process of God working in us and changing us into something that looks a whole lot more like him and a whole lot less like everything else. Because I lived in me for 11 years before knowing Jesus and 21 years before following him it takes a while to transition that into something else. And this morning, we're going to continue and kind of maybe end on that in this place in Romans 12. Romans is a, a letter written by a man named Paul. I've said that a lot the past few weeks because, you know, most of the back half is. Um, and, and he's writing to the church at Rome, a group of people, believers like you and me. Um, Paul doesn't write any books that I know of to the lost people, so... They're all relevant to us today. And then he writes this book to people who would say, like, I have a relationship with Jesus, I know Jesus, uh, I want to follow Jesus, and this book largely talks about um, how we work that out, what that looks like. I think it's amazing that he writes so many books to so many churches about what it would look like for us to follow Christ. We may need help in that department. Um, and this morning, we we're going to talk just about a few verses in 12, and he starts out in 12 with this phrase, therefore. Now, a wise man once told me, when you see therefore in the Bible, you have to figure out what the therefore is therefore, um, and what that means is, there's some context to this. If you start reading at, at verse 1, chapter 12, you're going to miss something. So we've got to back up a few verses, and what we see in verse 33 is that Paul here is writing a hymn of praise to God. I don't really know that when he put that down, he was like, you know, it'd be really great in between chapter 11 and chapter 12, a hymn. I don't think that's what he was thinking when he planned out this book. I don't think he sat down and kind of wrote out the chapters he was going to do and thought, you know, I'll I'll stick a hymn of praise in there. Paul was actually talking about theology stuff, the stuff we believe and why we believe it in 11. And he ended up on this thought um, about the mercy of God. He was theologing, and he ended up on a thought about the mercy of God. And as he began to talk about the mercy of God, it compelled him into a place of praise. I love that. This, this place of mercy is the place that praise is kind of born out of. He's, he's speaking about, man, God, you're so merciful, you're so forgiving, you're so good. And in that moment, God gives him kind of a special revelation of who God is and what it means to go beyond the theology, that it's not just thoughts we believe, but this is the character and the person of God. And when we see that revelation, that picture of who God is, it moves us into a place of response. And that's what we see here. It's this spontaneous worship Song. And I don't know that Paul was like the Chris Tomlin of, of the New Testament. I don't think he writes praise songs all the time. You don't even see very many of them. But even those of us that aren't bent that way, when we get alone in a place with God, we get into a place of praise. Because revelation always brings response. And he, and he starts just saying this song. I don't know, maybe there were notes to it and guitar part and an awesome drum solo at some point in time. We've lost all that. But in 33, we get the words. And Paul writes this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He he goes on, he says, How unsearchable his judgments, how untraceable his ways. In 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has ever first given to him and has to be repaid? And then he ends up on this thought. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This may be crazy, but last night as I was was studying this, I just was like, hey, why don't you, why don't you try to sing it? and <laughs> I did. I'm not going to do that for you um, this morning. Um, maybe wouldn't be like a top ten worship hit. Man, how true is that? So Paul gets alone in this place of praise that's born out of a place of mercy. And he ends on this thought, For from him, from God, and through him and to him, are all things to him be the glory forever amen see see the phrase is uh from him means that God created everything that everything actually comes first from God that you don't have anything that God didn't make then an amazing thought today that includes us by the way we're here cuz God made us your kids are here whether you want them or not cuz God made them right like you're you're everything those people you don't like those people who do like everything you see everything that exists was was created by God it says, through him, in other words, everything we have it came through the conduit of, of God, that he's given us everything. If it belongs to him first, then what we have is not ours, but it's his. So it was a gift, right, like our, our bank account, whatever it looks like, that was a gift from God, and there's a reason you got the one you got. Your, your house, that, that's from God, you didn't, you didn't work to get that, you can't even work on your own, you can't make your heart beat, so how are you going to get there? Everything we have is, is first created by God and then, and then divvied out by God. But then he ends on this amazing thought, and it's, and it's to him. For from him, he created it, and through him, he give it out, and to him are all things. In other words, everything that's been created is created for God. And whatever he's given you, you get to hold and steward. But at the end of the day, it all should go back to the originator, right? The breath you got—that's for God. It's not for you. The motion ability you got—that's that's for God. That's not for you. The bank account you got—that's for God. That's not for you. The the people in your life—that's for God. That's not for you. And he and this is the this is the place he ends this hymn of praise. And he says, in that moment, to him be the glory forever. Amen. He joins in this heaven song, right? Singing that in heaven today. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You're like, well, why does that matter? Because it's out of this moment that that chapter 12 happens. Some guy came back in and put in the numbers later. This just flowed right into it. And he says, therefore, or because of this. Now, here's what's amazing to me. The the recognition of mercy brings revelation. This is who God is. This is his character. And that brings response. And response maybe begins with a song, but in total, a song is not enough. In total, a song is not enough. Actually, songs without a therefore are pretty useless things. Anybody can sing a song about anything. What, what, is, what is happening in that moment of praise? And what Paul shows us here is we maybe start with revelation and our response maybe begins with worship. But worship without a therefore is a pretty useless thing. Worship is always connected to a therefore. This is who God is and I'm going to sing this song. I'm going to sing it with everything i got because I've seen it and I just can't quit singing. But if it doesn't motivate me to do anything other than sing, it's pretty pitiful worship. Oh, I'm going to lift my hand. There's not a person in this room that can keep my hand down. I'm going to lift my hand because I've seen, I've had a revelation of who God is, and i got to respond to that. I gotta lift my hand when I hear about the mercy of God. I gotta lift my hand when I hear how He forgives. I gotta raise my hand and point towards heaven and say, It's not me. I'm not pointing at me today. I'm not here for me today. I'm here for you today. And I don't care who hears it. I gotta lift my hand but lifting your hand without a therefore is a pretty useless thing. Oh, I'm going to dance when I hear about the grace of God. There's going to be some movement that takes over my body because it's a joyous thing to be standing in the grace of God. And when you're standing in the grace of God, you just can't stand still. I totally get that. But dancing without a therefore is a pretty useless thing. And that's what Paul's showing us in this moment. I started at Revelation. I've moved beyond theology, just knowing about God to seeing God. And when I see God, I'm going to going to sing but that singing is going to lead me into a different place a place where there's a therefore it's going to lead me into into the place that he begins to talk about in these verses he says oh I'm going to sing but when I get done singing I need you to know brothers because of who God is and because of what he's done because I've seen it and I've responded to it here's what we got By the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. It's amazing to me that he flips right back to the mercy, right? We started in 11 reflecting on the mercy of God, and we moved from a place of theology to a place of sight, and that was mercy. We have the definition for mercy back there somewhere. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is, who it is within, I can't read today, one's power to punish or harm. That's the definition of mercy. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who it is within one's power to punish or harm. We we like mercy because mercy, we're like forgiveness. That's not the whole definition though, is it? Mercy is, God could have killed me. But instead, God was killed. That's mercy. That's the whole picture. Not, oh, God forgave me. It cost God a lot to forgive me. I was wrong. I was a sinner. I messed it all up. I warred against God. I wasn't like just living out in the gray area. I was the enemy of God because he made me, and I was for him, and I chose not to be for him. That's the definition of rebellion, and every one of us do that. And when we're rebelling against God when we're rebelling against this king of the universe, he has the ability and the power and, by the way, the right to kill us. And he still would have been good and he still would have been God. He should have put us under his foot like the little bugs we are and just twisted a little bit. God should have killed us. That's the definition of mercy. But he didn't. Instead, he was killed. God had compassion toward us and he forgave us when he should have killed us. And it cost him a great deal to do that. That's mercy. And he says, I beg you, brothers, church people, people that show up every week, I beg you by the mercies of God. Now, I love that. By the mercies of God. By the mercy of God, I beg you to do what I'm about to talk about. I love that because what it means is mercy here is the door. We're not getting in, but by mercy. You, you cannot worship God. You cannot see God. You cannot do anything we're about to talk about until we've come around the mercy of God, Till we move beyond theology. I know God can forgive me and moved into a place of I am forgiven. That's the door. But I love it because it's also the key, Right? It's, it's through the conduit of mercy that I can do what we're about to talk about. So, so I get the opportunity to worship God because he has forgiven me. And when I step into forgiveness, that is when I can worship. It's about more than just believing. It's about seeing. I have to step into a place where it's not theology. I believe God can forgive me into a place of I know God has forgiven me because God is forgiveness. He is mercy. He is love. And what does that do? It moves us to a place of praise. Theology will never move us to a place of praise. No one about God will never move you into a place of praise. Just like reading a book about China will never move you into China. You got to go there. Reading a book about mercy will never move me into forgiveness. I got to step into forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was killed. Instead of killing me, he did that so I could receive mercy. And when I step into that and I see it, it unlocks the door to respond. Respond. Revelation always brings response. Knowledge does not bring response. Belief doesn't bring response. Seeing brings response. I could intellectually argue any of us, hopefully, (laughs) into believing there was a man named Jesus. There's more proof that there was a man named Jesus on the planet today than anybody can refute. And I can move some of us intellectually into a spot of he was the son of God. Jesus did things no one else has or can ever do. And I can, I can talk some of us into believing that he even died to save the world. And that means you. But that doesn't move us into a place of being saved. That's a revelation kind of moment. And he says, by the mercies of God, when you see the mercy, I beg you, brothers, enter the door. Therefore, because who God is and what he's done, because I sing, Brothers, by the mercies of God, listen to this. I urge you or I beg you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Here's the response. When you see it, here's the response. He says, I beg you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, the sacrifice he's talking about here is is a whole burnt offering. There's all kinds of offerings, that book Leviticus that we talked about that we don't like to read. There's all kinds of offerings in in that book. and, And some of them you present like a piece of an animal or a part of an animal. And there's their sacrifice where you present like the whole deal. And this is what God's saying. We see the mercy of God. The only reasonable response is to lay everything on the altar before God. You know what God's not interested in today? A piece of us. God doesn't want that little corner of your life that you're comfortable passing out. He doesn't he want that. And mercy, when we see it, doesn't even bring us to that conclusion. See, this is, what, this is the problem with theology. Knowing it will move us to, to giving some. I know that Jesus forgives. Therefore, I will go to church. I know that I need a Savior, therefore, I will say a prayer. I know that, that, that God loves me, therefore, when I, when I sing songs about how God loves me, I'll raise my hand. Theology will move you to give some, but revelation, seeing it, moves us to give everything, everything. When we see it, we respond. That's just how it works. When you you see it, you give everything. And he says, by the mercies of God, brothers, here's the doorway and the key. You you gotta quit just believing in the mercy and you gotta get caught up in the mercy. You gotta get in you that the DNA of God is compassionate. The DNA of God is forgiving. Who he is is love. It's not just some songs we sing. It's the character of God. And when you see it, when you see him, when you see that that's the guy you can step into a relationship with, you will respond that's what he's saying but the mercies of God I urge you brothers to put everything on the altar before God put your whole life there not pieces and parts not I'll do this but I'm keeping this put the whole thing there and here's why you remember just a few maybe months ago maybe over a year ago now I don't know we've been here three years it all runs together we had a little table over here I I preached this message and we had the little signs he says, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he says this word, holy. Now, holy is a word that means set apart or like completely his. That, that we're not like everybody else or everything else. We're set apart for, for God, for the use of God. I want you to hear that because I think some of us think we're set apart for God to sit in a chair. No, we're set apart for God, for the use of God. In other words, God has a plan. He has a purpose. He wants to do something with us. We're not just set apart to set around. We're set apart for God, for the use of God. And, and he says, you're holy. Let I me mean, change that word to something we're more familiar with. You're reserved for God. You know, like if I called ahead to a restaurant and I'm like, hey, I'm coming at 3 o'clock today. Do you guys do that? And they were like, yeah. And they got a little table for me. That's my table. Nobody's getting that table unless they show up and they're like, hey, I'm Brad Buehler. I called earlier and then you got a table for me. And then, then I get to sit down. And they don't care how many people I bring as long as I tell them ahead of time, right? I need a table for four. They don't ask me the names of all those people. They just want to know, like, this is the guy. And then I get to choose everything about that table. Who sits there? We get to order. We get to do the thing. And, and that's what he's talking about with our lives. It's, it's holy. It's set apart. It's reserved for God. In other words, it's God's life now. And I don't, I don't get to pick what sets at my table anymore. God gets to pick who sets at my table, and he gets to pick what's on my table. It's his life. It's holy. And then it goes on, and says it's pleasing to God. This is a life that's pleasing to God, a life that's completely God's. Not a life that's partially God's. A life that's wholly His. He says, I urge you, brothers, when you see the mercy to give your life completely to God, because this is pleasing to God. He goes on, he says, this is your spiritual worship. This is your spiritual worship. This is worship. Remember the story of the the woman at the well? Jesus shows up and. They have this whole conversation, and then she tries to derail the whole conversation. She's like, hey, your people say we worship here, and my people say we worship here. What do you what do you think about that? And he's like, I'm trying to get you safe, lady. We don't need to talk about this right now, but let's just go for it. So he says it doesn't really matter what any of those people say. A moment is coming and is now here, right? Not when you get 82. A moment is coming and is now here. When people will worship in spirit and truth. When people worship in spirit and truth. and, and uh, It's funny how God connects things because we're like, well, how do you worship in spirit? Like, I get truth, I, amen, I believe that. How do you worship in spirit? And he waits for a man named Paul to come along and write chapter 12. He's like, I'll just tell you. Here's what spiritual worship looks like. Spiritual worship is not I sing songs. Maybe that's the truth kind. Spiritual worship is surrendering your life to God. The moment is now coming and is here when people worship in spirit and truth. God is looking for such people. God's looking for people today that move beyond, I know, about God into a place of uh, I've, I've met him. I've seen him. I've, I've seen it. And because I've seen it, I'm, I'm going to sing. That's the beginning of a response, right? I've, I've seen that you are merciful. And every time we sing about mercy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to raise my hand. I've seen that you're loving. I've seen it. And every time we sing about love, my my hand's going to be up. I'm probably going to move around a little bit. And if people are uncomfortable with it, they're just going to have to get over it. I've seen that you're good. And every time we get there, I'm just going to shout a little bit. And if people get weirded out by that, they're just going to get weirded out by that because I've seen it. And I'm not going to just sit here because people get uncomfortable. I've seen it. And I'm going to sing. But I'm not here just to sing. I'm not here just to like come to church. I'm not here just to go through the motions. I'm going to see, and my seeing will lead me into singing. But the singing is not over because a song without a therefore is worthless. Raising hands without a, this is what's going on in my heart, and this is what I believe, and this is where I'm going, it's worthless. we got to get somewhere beyond singing, and that's what God invites us into in spiritual worship. He says, oh, it starts with seeing. It doesn't start with thinking. It doesn't start with, my mom told me this story one time. It doesn't start with, I've read the whole Bible and memorized things. It goes beyond that. Into seeing, experiencing, I've seen God. What's God invite us to do? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Not taste and read. Reading is a conduit to seeing. Singing, it's a conduit to, to, to seeing. Theology, it's a conduit to seeing. But we got to get beyond, I just believe it, into a place of, man, I've seen it. And now I'm not listening to somebody's story about who God is anymore. I've got a story about who God is. I'm going beyond I think it's true to I know it's true because my eyes have been opened to the grace and the glory and the mercy and the goodness and the forgiveness and the love of God. And I can't quit singing, so don't expect me to. I can't quit shouting, don't expect me to. I can't put my hands down because my pockets are not strong enough for that. I've got to get my hands up because I need to point to him so everybody else can see. Because I've seen it. And because I've seen it, I will sing. But I won't stop at singing because God has invited me in by the mercies of God. Through the cross, through the blood of Jesus. God has invited me in to a place beyond singing. He's invited me into a place of surrender. It's by the mercies of God today that I can put my life on an altar to Him. It's by the mercies of God today that I can put all this junk All my mistakes, all my issues, all my I don't have it together, all my fears, all my regrets, all my sin and shame. It's by the mercies of God that I can heap that up on an altar today. And he says, I will take it all. I'll take it all. I don't want your safe spaces and I don't want your church attendance. I want every bit of you. I want the darkest, deepest, nastiest parts of you. I want them up on the altar. I want the sin that you don't tell anybody about. I want it up on the altar. I want the shame that you feel down inside your gut. I want it up on the altar. I want the guilt that drives you away from God. I want you to walk up that altar and I want you to place it smack dab in the middle because I'll take it all. I want your chains. Bring me your chains. Put them on the altar. I want your fear and your doubts. I want you to bring them to me and I want you to put them on the altar. I'm big enough for your doubts and I'm big enough for your fears and all you need to do today is say God it's not enough for me to read it it's not enough for me just to sing songs it's not enough for me just to come to church it's not enough for me to live off everybody else's testimony anymore I want a story of where I saw the mercy of God And when I saw the mercy of God, it melted everything that was holding me back. When I saw the mercy of God that he'll take every bit of me, and he already did on the cross. When I saw the mercy and the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God, it caused me to open my eyes wide. And now I've seen it. And oh, I've seen it, so you can't shut me up. I'm going to sing, our God is a great, great God. Our God is full of love and mercy and grace and goodness and forgiveness. He's full of it. He's got mountains of it. He's rich in it, the Bible says. And there's enough for every single person. And I'm going to stand here and I'm going to jump and I'm going to point towards heaven until somebody else sees it. Because that's what worked for me. I saw somebody that had seen. And in their seeing, I started to see. And God moved me out of... I've heard the story since the day I was born because I was brought up into church into a place of I'm standing at the base of the cross and Jesus has given out blood today. Because all things, every single thing was created by Him. And every single thing I got, it's through Him. And it's all to Him. And that means me today. So I have seen... I know I'm going to sing but today God's looking for people that will go beyond that into the therefore I will surrender maybe there's a lot of us in the room that have seen today oh man when I was 11 years old I saw it like I'd never it's like the cross was in front of me and I knew that the son of God was hanging there And he looked at me. And I heard him say over my life, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know. I've seen it. And maybe for a lot of us who've been singing, I believe it. That's truth. You're faithful. You're good. We've never lived it. But today, God's saying to some of us, Why don't you step into it today? I'll take it. Whatever's holding you back, I'll take it. There ain't no shame in this place that I won't take. There's no sin in this place that I won't take. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to go home and scrub down. We, we got rid of the ritual baths a long time ago. You can come right into the holy place. And today, if you'll just see it, and you'll confess. God, I need a Savior. I need you. I need you. I see it, and I need you. And I'll save. This morning, for some of us, we, we, we know Jesus. At the end of the story, I was saved when I was 11 years old. i had been singing. But God called me out of that or just that and to surrender. He said, I want it all. Hey, some of us today saying, hey, there's more. There's more. And if you want it, you can come get it. I got buckets full. There's enough for everybody today. Let's move from a place of belief today into sight today. For some of us, let's move from a place of singing today into surrender today whatever we do, let's move toward the heart of God for us. He says, by the mercies of God through the doorway, through the doorway of the mercy of God. I urge you, brothers, I beg you with everything I got. Put it on the altar. Let's let's be set apart for God. And let's live lives that please God, because this is what worship is. It's not just singing songs. It's bowing in surrender and bending our life and our will towards the Father. Let's pray.